There's a time and a place for black and white, like when you're learning to play piano, or when you want a big two-toned cookie, or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white, so go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing, from banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 10, 18. Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. Blog Talk Radio. Oh, mama, I'm in fear for my life from the long arm of the law. Got miles to go before we sleep. Lawman is putting into my running and I'm so far from my We will not go gently. We're going to unleash hell here in December. Oh, mama, I can hear you crying. You're so scared and all alone. Hey, somebody fix this guy's buckle. Hey, I'm going to coming down from the gallows and I don't have very song Renegade, which has become infamous, or I should say famous, in Heinz Field, and they played it twice on Sunday as the Pittsburgh Steelers beat the Baltimore Ravens. Hi, I'm Jeff Hartman, editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. This is the Steelers Hangover, the day after Collins show, and joining me as always on this Monday night is Brian Anthony Davis. How's it going, Brian? I'm on the highest of holiday highs, Jeff. That, to me, is one of the greatest games in Steeler history for me. I am just walking on air, sunshine, and clouds. And I'm telling you what, I've watched those highlights over 20 times, and that is not an exaggeration. <laughs> well, you know, um, it is great. Uh, Brian and I both live in the state of Maryland, which is Ravens country, um, unfortunately. And um, it was great to wear my Steelers gear around town today. I did see a guy wearing some Ravens gear, and he could not look me in the eye. Hey, it's, that's fine. It was a great day to be a Steeler fan. It's a great week to be a Steeler fan. It's going to be a great two weeks to be a Steeler fan. It's now the Week 17 game against the Cleveland Browns. It's completely meaningless, and we're going to talk about that today. But before we get into anything, I want to say that our show is sponsored by Frank Walker Law, the top criminal defense firm to call in Western Pennsylvania and Northern West Virginia and home to one of the nation's top 100 trial attorneys in Frank Walker for more information on his services, call or you can go to his website, frankwalkerlaw.com. Now, as I said earlier, this is a call-in show. We want to hear from you, the fans. So you can call in at any time during the show, 347-850-8581. Again, 347-850-8581. That's the number to dial to make your voice heard. We have an hour and a half scheduled. We won't, I hope, use all of it. We did last week. But I have a feeling that some, some fans might want to talk about it. But at the same time, it is still the holidays. Uh, we understand that sometimes people are busy. So if you're listening in podcast form, make sure you check us out next week. But if you're listening live, be sure to call in. So, Brian, 
incredible game. The highs and lows, the ebb and flow of the game. It, it honestly, and, and someone brought this up, I want to say it might have been during the game. I don't know if it was somewhere on Twitter or if it was on a national broadcast, but it brought up the Cleveland, or I'm sorry, the Dallas game earlier this year. And obviously it was the Steelers that lost in dramatic fashion, but they came back in that game. They took the lead. It almost seemed like the same type of game, except the roles were reversed. It was the Steelers. They got scored on, and then they were the ones that went down and put the dagger right into the knife, or the dagger right into the stomach of the opposition. And um, it was tremendous. I I, I got to say, I mean, from the third quarter interceptions of Ben Roethlisberger to the three touchdowns at the end of the game. I said this on Twitter because I run the Twitter handle for Behind the Steel Curtain. When Antonio Brown reached his arm out and crossed the plane and they signal touchdown, I was jumping around my basement screaming like a 13-year-old girl, and I'm man enough to admit that. I really am. I am not too proud to say that I was running around jumping, screaming. I was elated because the Pittsburgh Steelers win the AFC North. They punched their tickets to the playoffs. They lock in the number three seed. Brian, I want to know, what was your reaction as the game unfolded and then obviously when it was decided by Antonio Brown's unbelievable effort? You know, I'm sure uh, I'm sure you could uh, call bull on this, but the entire third quarter, even with the two interceptions, I just had this feeling that it just wasn't over, that if this team was who we thought they were, you know, I say that, uh, I say that every podcast, but that they would come back and they would just show us exactly who they were. And I had a feeling they had some fight left in them. Then when it happened, you were dancing around and screaming like a 13-year-old girl. I scared the entire household. Um, the dogs were barking. I was, it was a celebration for the ages with just me. And, you know, the, the funny thing about it is I told you, I told my friends, I told my wife, if she would have videotaped it, I would be a viral sensation right now. That's how crazy I went. And I'm sure that that's happened in so many other black and gold homes. It was, it was just absolutely amazing. And it comes down to the fact that not only did you punch your ticket to the playoffs, you beat the team that has owned you for the last four games. You've beaten the team that brags about owning you. And not only did you beat that team, you knocked them out and you sent them home for the entire 2016 season, they are done. And it feels so good. So, so good. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah, no, I can't agree. I can't disagree with you with that. Obviously, it was a great victory. Um, I agree with you in what you said at the opening, which was, to me, was one of the greatest wins in Heinz Field history, um, regular season history. Well, let me let me preface that with, with saying in the regular season um, just a tremendous game. And I had family members that don't really follow football. They follow it because I obviously run the site and I'm a really diehard Steeler fan. And they they watched the game and they told me that, Jeff, that was such an entertaining football game. And I said, it, it was. I mean, from start to finish, um, it had everything. It had some controversy with some really poor calls, in my opinion, um, missed calls. Uh, it had the drama of the, you know, turnovers and the come from behind and then the lead changes and just a tremendous, tremendous football game. There's so many storylines that can come from this game 
And I want to get into as many as we can with callers. So if you're listening live, you can call in 347-850-8581. Again, the number is 347-850-8581. But before I do that, I want to, Brian, I want to ask you, what were your thoughts on the color rush uniforms? They were out. I thought they looked pretty sweet myself. Uh, what were your thoughts on those? Well, I have been waiting. You know, I'm a big uniform guy. I've been a uniform guy until since I was a kid. I just love uniforms, and I just love the color. And when I found out that they were going all black, I could not wait. Of course, I ordered mine right away. I own a Stefan to it, and uh, I, I had that on proudly yesterday. But I'm telling you what, they looked sleek. They just looked amazing. And the fact that they went ahead and won that game, makes it so much better. That means you know they're coming back. They're definitely coming back next year because there is no uh, – they, they're doing no throwback for, two, for 2017, and they already said they're probably going to bring this one back. And then the year after that, they'll probably go ahead and come up with a new one. But so this is uh, going to be your alternate uniform for next year. But they just looked from head to toe. They looked amazing. Now, I I uh, saw you on Facebook Live yesterday, and I, I throw, threw in a little jab because we had a little side conversation about it. But I agree with you on the traditional black and gold. I mean, those are fantastic, but there's room for another one in town. Those are so good. I mean, especially with the I, – I know I'll disagree with you on the, the, uh, the block letters because – the block numbers because I just love those. Those are traditional Steeler. I wish they would go back to that. But just seeing the block and all black, oh, it was phenomenal. It was a feast for your eyes. See, for me, I, yeah, if you watch the Facebook Live, if you don't follow us on Facebook, you should. Facebook.com backslash Behind the Steel Curtain. I do a behind – I do a – Facebook Live video after every game. Uh, it depends on when I do it because it depends on how much work I have to do on the website. But I was talking about some some of the uniform things, and I just I mean I thought they looked awesome. Um, I really did. I I do tend to like most of their throwback uniforms, um, but what I don't want to see is I don't want to see them turn into um, a Baltimore Ravens team where they have all these different options and. Every Sunday, you don't know what they're going to wear. Are they going to wear the black pants and the purple shirts? Are they going to wear their white and the black? As the Steelers are traditional, they always have the gold pants, the black stripes. When they're white, they're on the road. When they're black, they're at home, unless they're going down to Florida, in which case they typically make the Steelers wear their black uh, uniforms because that would make them uh, hotter. It attracts the sunlight and stuff like that. I like I like their uniforms. And, and yeah, the block numbers were cool and all that stuff. But to me, they're just numbers. I really don't care that much. I just like the fact that uniforms have hardly changed since uh, Chuck Knoll took over, and uh, a little before that, I guess, in 1969. But still, those were cool. I thought they were really cool. I know they're going to wear them once next year, and that'll probably be on their Thursday night game. And I think it'll be cool. You know, But if, if they're going to wear all black, most likely uh, they would have to be at home, I think. Uh, it would be interesting to see how that plays out. But, uh, Color Rush jerseys, I give my thumbs up. I thought they were very well Aloha, I'm Clifford from Yamano Safeway. Can't decide what to eat? Whether it's lunch or dinner, you'll find a perfect meal in the Safeway Deli. Handcrafted sandwiches, fresh sushi prepared by our in-house chefs, signature salads, our famous fried chicken and tenders. Add a side like creamy mashed potatoes or mac and cheese. All fresh and ready to go every day. Stop by this week to get a hot deal on rotisserie chicken, only $5.88 each with in-and coupon. This is Clifford from Manoa Safeway, and we'll see you soon. Done. Um, let's get to our first caller. He's uh, always our first caller. 
Uh, that's Vito Mason from New Jersey. Vito, Merry Christmas. How's it going? Gentlemen, good evening. Merry Christmas. Uh, what a game. What a crazy game. I mean, it's amazing how uh, the first drive of the series, Pittsburgh stops Baltimore. They come up with a beautiful drive where they're moving the ball over the place and they score seven. They said if they could keep this going, this is going to be amazing. And then all of a sudden they just seem to fall flat after that. And I guess one of the questions I'm going to throw at you guys is, I wonder what happened there. Did Baltimore just make a great adjustment or was Ben just having one of his December games where, you know what, you don't know what you're going to get? Because if you look at that game, the next couple of uh, drives after that, they were kind of not doing anything. Um, The run worked great, though. I mean, if you notice, Bell was definitely getting his runs in. He was breaking open holes. And you got to give a lot of kudos to the offensive line, doing a great job protecting Ben. I guess the one thing that bothers me, look, this guy's a great quarterback. He's a Hall of Famer. We know that. And without him, we wouldn't be where we're at today. I just wonder what happens to him sometimes for all those possessions and all of a sudden, the last minute of the third quarter through most of the fourth quarter, he's on fire. I wonder what, is it a play calling issue or is it maybe a problem where I know you guys feel that there's a lot of talent on this team. I do too. But at times last night, you notice we definitely missed having Ladarius Green in there. We definitely miss having another receiver in there, like either Marcus Wheaton or someone else to step up. Because it seemed like at times nobody really stepped up until really late in the game. So I, th- I think to me, as much talent as we have, and and I'm thinking about what Terry Bradshaw said, and, and you know, I, I don't agree with him 100%, but I think his biggest argument is for a team that's this talented, you know, yes, we're going to probably be a three seed, but he feels we should be up there with New England and the Raiders in the top two because we have so much talent. Um, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on the fact that – great game, a great victory. <clears throat> they pulled it out at the end. But what are your thoughts on the fact that the only thing that bothers me is that how we go drive after drive after drive at times and nothing happens out of it when he's got so much talent on the field? I mean, is everybody really getting covered up, or is it just play calling is an issue? I'm not sure. I'll let you guys answer that. Um, uh, yeah, for me, you know, I mean, I, I looked at the first half and in that first quarter. Thanks for the phone call, as always, you know. We always appreciate you calling in. Um, for me, Ben only threw the ball nine times in the first half, uh, and, and that's kind of interesting if you ask me in regards to what might have gone wrong in the offense in the first half. That first drive, Le'Veon Bell, was running the ball well. He ran the ball well the entire night. 20 rushes, 122 yards, 6.1 yards per clip against the Baltimore Ravens. Very highly touted rush defense. That's a very serious statistic. And they ran the ball. They stuck with it. Ben's nine passes were pretty much all very lateral, outside the numbers, um, never really getting testing over the middle until in the second half when they tried to open things up and he was intercepted twice. It almost seems like they are really trying to protect the football. And it's sad to say it, and, and I'm going to throw this over to you here in a second, Brian. It almost seems like sometimes they're, they're running a Landry Jones offense with Ben Roethlisberger, and that sounds stupid. But if you watch that first half after that first drive that Vito talked about, which was absolutely beautiful, you're like, man, why are they handcuffing him so much? It just doesn't seem like they're really doing what he does best, and that's driving the ball down the field, that's hitting those passes over the middle. 
And maybe it was because Sammy Coates was out. They couldn't stretch the field. Maybe it was because Ladarius Green wasn't there, who's a very good weapon down the seam. And maybe it was because they were going to bracket and maybe throw a third person on Antonio Brown. I don't know. But whatever the reason is, is I've gotten – I, I, I strongly believe that if the Steelers, if you want to stop the Steelers, you stop Le'Veon Bell. I still believe that's true. But if the Steelers are going to win a Super Bowl, they need Ben Roethlisberger to play better. And if they are going to win a Super Bowl, they need to let Ben Roethlisberger be Ben Roethlisberger. Um, what are your thoughts on that situation moving forward? Well, you know what, Jeff? I hear all the time when it comes to the Baltimore Ravens, you can't run on Michael Pierce. You can't run on Brandon Williams. You can't run on Zach Orr and C.J. Mosley. These guys are so hard to run on. And, yeah, they have one of the best running defenses in the league. Um, but you know what? They wanted to prove that they could run against them. And that's, you know, my hot button with the Steeler coaching staff sometimes. We talk about this all the time, that uh, we don't feel like they adjust sometimes. We, we feel like they actually have a game plan and so, are so myopic. Um, with no peripheral vision that we have to stick to that plan, stick to that plan. And he said that at halftime. No, we're not going against the run. This is what we plan to do. We're going to do that. So I think that's part of the reason. However, they did prove that they could run, and they kept it going. But when you're only passing the ball nine times in the first half, that means, you know, you're being a little stubborn there, in, in my own opinion. But, however, it was a well-coached game. They did go ahead and win the game. As far as receiving goes, you know, you're right. They didn't have Coates. They didn't have Ladarius Green. They had Darius Hayward Bay, but did they really have Darius Hayward Bay yesterday? I mean, he he was there. He was dressed, but he really, I mean, he was nowhere to be seen. Um, so I don't, I really don't think, I mean, even though he was there, I don't think he was ready to go. Um, but they made some nice adjustments, and I was really impressed with, especially in the second half, with, those young receivers, those, we talk about how important those secondary receivers are all the time. Well, Jesse James looked pretty good. We saw a touchdown from Xavier Grimble. He was, uh, ben made sure to get uh, um, D.A. in there, Ayers. He looked pretty good. Um, on that one, if he wasn't interfered with, that's, uh, that's a beautiful touchdown, I think. Um, but he came back and had that, that catch in the uh, – and the ultimate drive at the end. And then Eli Rogers, I can't say enough about Eli Rogers, how important he was to that game. If we were talking game balls, I had him written down as my offensive game ball. Four receptions for 84 yards, but they seem to happen in important times. Now, as far as Ben Roethlisberger goes, you know, those interceptions, they're, you know, we have to worry about them. But then again, you're facing a fantastic defense. I can't say enough how good I think the Baltimore Ravens actually are. Even though they are 8-7, and seven, and even though they are, uh, being in Maryland, an even bigger enemy for me, I just think that they are a force to be reckoned with at times, and they play Pittsburgh so much tougher. And that's what made that such a great game. So ultimately, those interceptions actually made the game better in the end, but they made us sweat a little bit. But as far as things go, when Ben is ready to drive down that field, to go with, that, with one minute and 18 seconds left, when he had to go into the huddle, everybody believed in Ben Roethlisberger yesterday. Le'Veon Bell came out and said, as he said, we were not thinking about a field goal whatsoever. I don't think that was even on their mind. And after the first couple of plays, it wasn't even on my mind anymore. It was, 
in my mind, it's like they're going for the touchdown. You can tell. And Ben was the leader, and they believe in him. And so, you know, you could throw those aside. Times in the past, I thought he'd wilt after one or two interceptions. He just came back and got stronger. He felt he was letting the team down, and he wanted to make sure that he fixed it for his team. That's basically the gist of what he said, and he really did. He was the MVP of that game. He was the player of the week of that game, and he's the leader. He's the guy that is ready to lead them into the playoffs. Now that they're there, he's ready to lead them for a title. Number seven is going for number seven, Jeff. Yeah, absolutely, and they punched their ticket. A couple of interesting facts that we get the next caller here on the air. Um, it wasn't the game-winning drive, but the, the, game, the drive prior to that, which gave them the lead, uh, ended, I believe, with Le'Veon Bell's reception that was, you know, Ben was flushed out of the pocket. They dumped it over the head of the lineman. Bell catches it, gets some assistance into the end zone for the score. Um, there was, that was a drive where it was only Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. They produced every single yard of that drive. And so when you needed your stars to be great, they were just that, and they were great. But another interesting tidbit about this game is that outside of Antonio Brown's 10 receptions, no one had more than four catches. And a lot of people would say, that's really strange, and that's not a good statistic. But everyone that made catches typically made a big catch. Eli Rogers, you could you could name a couple. He had a 39-yarder that led to a field goal early in the game. He had a couple uh, nice catches, really smart plays to get out of bounds on the final drive, but the big one got him into the red zone. Jesse James had a big catch on the final drive, two actually on the final drive. Xavier Grimble with a touchdown. DeMarcus Ayers did have a reception, got out of bounds. Obviously, he had the defensive pass interference deep uh, on an earlier drive, kind of jump-started the offense. Kobe Hamilton even had a nice catch. They're all chipping in, and so it might not be a, a large number of receptions, but they're making plays when the number's called, and that's important, so keep that in the back of your mind. Let's get another call on the air here. 832-256-6588. You're on with Jeff and Brian. Go ahead. What's up, Jeff and Brian? It's Melvin out of Dallas, but I'm in Tennessee uh, still finishing up the holidays. How are you guys doing? Hey, Melvin. Hey, good, Melvin. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Um, that was what well, you pretty much hit the nail on the head as far as the receivers are concerned. Uh, two things because I just now was able to get to my phone because I'm out with my buddies watching Monday Night Football game because I hate Dallas. But anyway, um, <laughs> no sacks. I think Ben was knocked yeah. down maybe twice, maybe twice. And we didn't have any drops. Uh, to my – just going just off memory, um, when it absolutely positively had to be done, it was truly the next man up. And, you know, there's nothing – there's nothing uh, better than to have a young receiver hungry, wanting to emulate, you know, an Antonio Brown, you know, having the faith and belief in Ben. And I, and I really do think that if we can, I think as Steeler fans, I think we get so frustrated because we see what this offense can really become because this offense has not played four quarters yet. They've played a quarter. They've played a half. And for us to have all – and if we ever get everybody healthy and out there, that could be a juggernaut. Defense, man, I – if, you know, people talking about, you know, with the Mike Tomlin, you won one with Cowards players, okay, whatever. Hey, these young cats, these rookies, 
that are actually being be able to play based off of merit and not because somebody's injured, hey, if we if we get three, four years out of bed, guess what those guys are going to look like? And if you, if you look over the season, how this defense has grown as it continues to grow, you know, yeah, we missed some, we missed some tackles last night. However, if our defense doesn't hold them to field goals, this game is over. This game is this game is over in the third quarter. So you know, my only knock though was in the first half we had that first drive went down and it went beautifully. Okay, and then it's like we got stagnant. And I I heard you talking about it seemed like we're handcuffing Ben. Then we don't handcuff Ben. We're down in the red zone. It's third and two. Le'Veon's gashing them. And you try to throw up top, fade right in the end zone with, to Antonio. Fair enough. He was held at the line, and they didn't call it. You could even argue for uh, uh, defensive pass interference. Why not give Bell the ball, get two yards, now let's go up top on first and goal. So, you know, but, you know, they coaching staff, they adjusted, and uh, one more tidbit on Tomlin. He clock managed the heck out of that fourth quarter, did he not? Is that not one of is, is, is that is that not is, is that not one of the things that you knock against him as well as I have? He managed the heck out of that fourth quarter, and when you listen to him talk, and he had, he had already said, "Hey, we need points on this drive because we don't want the clock to become a factor." That already lets you know, right? What his thought process was. Sometimes you can have a coach that has a thought process and has things that he wants done, but not all the time do the players go ahead and execute what Tomlin is thinking about. Because I, I read an article today, I think that they were talking about whenever they run, um, whenever they run the, like the two-minute drill, they normally only get one timeout. Because if the joke on the sideline was, yeah, you got two timeouts. When you, when you go out there with a minute 18, so you know it was a good win. It was a it was a defining win, uh, you know. And like I tweeted uh, when uh, uh, you tweeted, I think you tweeted it, Jeff, about not having to it and green and somebody else how resilient it was. And I came back and I said, no, it was Mike Tomlin took his pom poms out and sprinkled pixie dust <laughs> over being in the offense at the end yeah. of the third quarter. So I mean, yeah. sooner or later, sooner or later they're gonna have to get off my man. At some point, they're going to have to get off my man. But uh, that's all I had, guys. Uh, Happy New Year to you guys. Like I said, a couple of weeks before, I will probably check in the Cleveland game out on my phone because I will be in Jamaica. I will be enjoying myself, (laughs) getting myself mentally prepared and physically ready for the first round of the playoffs, probably against Miami. I think we're going to end up playing Miami. But – you guys have a great, uh, good New Year, man. Love the show, and uh, I might, I might check in from Jamaica next week. You never can tell. <laughs> All right, thanks, Melvin, for the phone call. We really appreciate it. Enjoy it and have a good New Year. Thank you, sir. All right. Okay, so Melvin brought up a lot of good points there. Um, he brought, he talked about um, the one that I want to really talk about the most is the offensive line, um, and you know. You listen to the players, especially Ben, and he, he can be very cheesy about it. He can say, you know, all about the guys up front. And, you know, when he was selected as one of the guys that wins the game ball on Thanksgiving night, and then here's your turkey leg, i got to go take it to the offensive line. And a lot of people think it's just a bunch of pomp and circumstance, but 
Those guys are, are unbelievable. I mean, unbelievable. And Melvin was right. They did not give up a sack. And I'm checking right now, quarterback hits, they had three. The Baltimore Ravens had three quarterback hits over four quarters. Ben Roethlisberger's sack total and over through the six-game winning streak, I think it's still in the single digits. I should go back and check that. I don't have that statistic in front of me. But I'm pretty sure that they have not given up. Well, technically, I don't think there's any chance they would. I think they've only given up 16 sacks all season, and they're entering the final week of the season. Do the math. That's giving up a sack a game. That is tremendous pass protection. But the biggest knock on the offensive line was, well, they can't open up the holes. They, they struggle to open up the holes for Le'Veon Bell. Well, that was, a, that was, I want to say, the number two best rush defense in the NFL in the Baltimore Ravens. And I know they got gassed kind of against Philly in week 15, but Le'Veon Bell goes 20 for 122. That typically doesn't happen against the Baltimore Ravens. The big guys up front, and a lot of players are, some might say they're playing out of their mind, someone like Alejandro Villanueva. When was the last time anyone even heard his name? I mean, let's be honest. He's not early in the season. Remember, it was false starts. It was not covering up, you know, making illegal formations. It was uh, holding. What is it now? And when was the last time you heard his name? You haven't. That's a great thing. When you don't have your left tackle being talked about, two thumbs up. You're doing your job. That's phenomenal. These guys are paving the way. It's fun to watch. Great stuff. Brian, out of all that Melvin talked about, what were you, what did you want to talk about out of that phone call? Well, first of all, Jeff, the last time I heard Al's name was a USAA commercial that we see every uh, every couple of quarters. And that, like you said, that's, that's just amazing. Um, you know, this, this offensive line, he is right. You are absolutely right. They are just really driving this offense, and they are making everything possible. Um, you know, remember back in the 1980s, Dan Marino had the commercial, take care of the hands that take care of you for isotoner gloves. Well, you know what? I hope Ben opened up his checkbook and took care of these boys. And I have a feeling he did because uh, he's a, you know, he's always, I agree with you. He gets a little cheesy with that, but you can tell he genuinely appreciates these guys and uh, they're making all of this possible for him. Um, As far as Mike Tomlin goes, you know, that clock management was excellent. And yeah, that, that is a wrap. I mean, it's been a wrap for a number of years with Mike Tomlin because it seems like the clock management hasn't been good, but yesterday, wow. I mean, it was absolutely phenomenal. Um, I had a sense of calm over me that entire game, and it seemed like just everything was coming together nicely. It was like a, like a Hollywood script, and you could just feel it happening. And when uh, Juszczyk went into the end zone with a minute 18 left in the game, I was uh, talking to one of my close buddies on the phone, and he said, that's good. Exactly what he said. That's good news. Let them get in because now we need to take control. And that's exactly what happened. And, you know, you kind of felt it. You kind of felt it was going to happen. And you felt the entire time that Mike Tomlin had control of that game. The only criticism that I'm going to give him is the fact that, you know, and I say this all the time, they sometimes I think instead of sticking to uh, uh, your strengths like Melvin brought up, why aren't you running Le'Veon Bell? Um, they try to they try to get fancy and fool the other team when just, you know what, doesn't matter. There's teams. There's offenses. And this is the kind of offense that it doesn't matter 
whether they know what you're doing on the other other side. You know, Bill Belichick could have cameras on you the whole time, and it doesn't matter because you know what you're going to run. They know what you're going to run, and there's nothing they can do to stop it. And they have the kind of players right now that there's nothing you can do to stop it. You don't have to fool them. That's my only criticism. And it's not even a bad criticism at this point because I thought he had a masterful game. I don't even want to criticize him. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. The entire coaching game plan was pretty darn good. And I just, uh, when we talked about that being one of the best in Heinz history, that was just a game for the ages. And we ran an article uh, last week, our Mount Rushmore series, best December game. I'm going to have to completely revamp it because there's no way that's not going to be one of the greatest December games regular season in the history of that team. That just had everything you wanted from a Pittsburgh Steelers game. Just, I mean, the entire narrative was the fact that this is a team you've been having trouble with lately. They have been owning you, like we talked about at the beginning, and just completely stopped them. And where it looked like, oh, here we go again. Blacko's going to pull out his magic. I mean, he's a bum against everybody else, if you ask me. But when it comes to the Pittsburgh Steelers, he turns into Johnny Unitas, looking like uh, one of Voldemort's buddies from the Harry Potter series, when, and from Sesame Street's head. But you know what? I mean, he looks amazing against Pittsburgh. And yesterday, they just completely neutralized them. And it just it was enough at the right time. And even if that game would have went into overtime, I don't think it would have mattered. There seems like the magic has shifted, and this team has announced and announced boldly and loudly and proudly that we are the team to be reckoned with. And then we're starting to hear, and this is when it starts to scare me, we're starting to hear around the league, the team you don't want to play right now is the Pittsburgh Steelers. And that scares me a little bit because we've seen what happens when, when they're a favorite. But, you know, Maybe this team has arrived, they've grown, they've matured, Jeff. I, I just feel really good right now. Hey, it's hard not to feel good, to be honest with you. Um, but, you know, it's always uh, it's always good. To, they've won six games in a row. It's, it's really crazy to me when you think about this team was 4-1. and one. They dropped four games in a row. They're 4-5. and five. And people were thinking, I mean, it's over. It, all the aspirations of, Number one or number two seed are gone. All, all the talk of you know the, the road to the Super Bowl Fifty One comes through hindsight gone. Playoffs. Some people are even saying gone. I mean Jim Mora playoffs. You know all that stuff. Um, then all of a sudden they rattle off six games in a row. You know they've won six games in a row. I feel like the the Steelers JV team is going to beat the the Browns next week, which would mean seven games in a row, and they could be on the verge of a really really historical stretch in terms of the Pittsburgh Steelers standards, it's going to be fun. If you are listening live, you want to call in, you can, 347-850-8581. Again, 347-850-8581. We have some more callers to get to. Let's get this person on air. Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with my bookie. MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event. 
even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. Here we go. 646-355-5738. Roma Jeff and Brian, go ahead. Jeff and Brian, what's up? It's Bryce calling from Brooklyn. What's up, Bryce? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. Um, actually back home in Pittsburgh right now, and I was at the game live. It uh, was amazing. <laughs> it was in a... Well, it was an amazing time. Me, um, lots of yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Let me ask you. They did double renegade. Um, I don't know how oh, you're yeah. talking today, because I would be absolutely <laughs> hoarse. I wouldn't be able to say anything. Tell me about the atmosphere, because people said that place was rocking. Place was rocking. Very quiet in that third quarter, um, but then the fourth quarter, fourth quarter came. They started getting some energy got a first down, particularly when Jesse James caught that first down in the beginning of the fourth. And then, there, you know, they, you know, the crowd starts yelling, East, and then Renegade starts playing. And then that play started rocking, and then Pittsburgh got going. Um, before I get into the offense, defensively, um, let's give credit to the young defensive linemen. They came in against the Baltimore team that was very physical. You can see it. They held their own. It wasn't a perfect game, but, you know, LT Walton, McCullers, Maxie, they played with a lot of energy. They really gave it their all out there, and even Mike Tomlin had to give them credit. They stepped up and really played well and um, just gave the defense a chance. You know, it was, a t- it was tough sledding on the ground. Let's give Dixon a lot of credit. That guy can run the football. He needs to be their feature back. Um, he runs well, and we have to give them credit. But I like the way, I like the way that the defensive line kind of stood up. Um, I think, you know, what Brian's talking about with Joe Flacco, you know, Joe, he's always been a calm, patient guy, and he's composed, and I'll give it to him, even from his rookie year when he came into Pittsburgh, I mean, played well. And I think Keith Butler could have been more aggressive. I wanted to see more two-man. You know, Joe, I don't know, if I was the owner of the Ravens, just being on our defense, I'd want to call John Harbaugh in there and say, why am I paying this guy $100 million to check the football down all the time? Where's my deep throw? Why are we pushing the ball down the field? I would run two-man and play those guys and make them get into routes and say, we're not going to let you check it down, and we're going to put safeties over the top. Run routes and get open from 10 to 15 yards because Flacco's shown he'll, he'll struggle and be inconsistent. But they didn't check the ball down too much. I think there was too much garbage yards he got. Um, and I think that allowed them to get into some type of rhythm. Um, but the defense stood up in the red zone. Pittsburgh is every the number one team in the red zone. When you see it live, they just stiffen down there, and that's going to really help them in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I, I listen to, and it's a great feature. If you don't have the app, Steelers app, I strongly suggest everyone that's listening to get it. Um, I want to say it's on Monday and Tuesday around 1 o'clock. Um, it might be different on Tuesday because the press conferences. They re-air the radio broadcast of the game, and I was able to listen to it today because I was off work. And Tom Shilkin made a great point. He said that coming into this game, 85% of Joe Flacco's completions have come to tight ends or running backs. And it is amazing to me 
it's amazing to me because he actually has some weapons on the outside. You have Mike Wallace, Steve Smith Sr., Rashad Perryman, who I understand is a little inconsistent, but he is still a big, fast target. And you have Kamar Aiken. Those are four pretty good wide receivers. And let's be honest, there's those four from a pedigree standpoint and from a positive, you know, yeah, overall standpoint, it's probably better than the Steelers for. At least what they threw out on the field in Week 16, you had Antonio Brown, Eli Rogers, and then, what, Kobe Hamilton? The Marcus Ayers? I mean, let's be honest. And, and they're just not throwing the ball to him. I don't get it. But I do think that if there's someone that needs credit, and I, I agree with you, the defensive scheme might have been not ideal, but Keith Butler, in my opinion, and John Mitchell, the defensive line coach, they deserve a game ball because – that 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 defense, you lose Stefan to it. He was the glue that kept that rush defense together. And you could see they were getting gashed a little bit, like you mentioned. But those guys kept it together. Javon Hargrave, that guy is going to be amazing. He got, yeah. he was getting pressure from the inside. And I, I hate to say this, and I said it yesterday, the guy looks like Geno Atkins 2.0. I mean, he's built the same, the interior pass rush, the way that he gets pushed from that, that position, which is so rare, he's built low to the ground. I think he could put on some more weight, but ultimately I, I'm super impressed with him. I thought he played a great game. Um, Daniel McCullers, God bless him, uh, for that last drive that the Ravens had, they just kept him on the field, and he was just gassed. You could just tell he had nothing left in the tank, and then finally the two-minute warning came at the best possible time. Uh, they were able to get him off the field, and it, I think it was the next uh, two or three plays after. But, um, you know, it, it's just one of those situations where I, I think Baltimore kind of shot themselves in the foot in a way. But then again, you look in Pittsburgh gave them ten easy points. I do want to mention this before I forget. In my opinion, play of the game defensively was Sean Davis's pass breakup on Waller, the tight end. Waller Absolutely. had that football. He makes contact. If he doesn't if he didn't dislodge that ball, that's the difference between a 14-point deficit and a 10-point deficit when they when he dropped that ball. And, that, and Sean Davis gets credit for that. I mean, he might not have been in the best position, but he disrupted the ball. It goes to the ground. He's bobbling it as he goes out of bounds. That was huge. I said it at the time on Twitter. That was a huge play. Kudos to the rookies. They are playing out of their minds right now. You're not hearing Artie Burns' name called. They're not even throwing his way that much anymore. That tells me something, you know. I mean, go figure. But, uh, Brian, what did you think about the defensive effort uh, in the game? You know what? I thought it was absolutely fantastic. And when you're talking about uh, Sean Davis, he played – that's the epitome. That one play is called playing to the whistle. He played till the very end on that. And he really – I mean, that that was the play of the game. Because they do not win. If that doesn't happen, that that held him to three in that situation, and that was key to victory. As far as the defensive line, they were sorry. We're having a the dogs are having a party here too, and and uh, so I'm going to move out of their way because they're not going to stop. So I apologize. But um, as far as the defensive line, everything that both of you said, Bryce, Jeff, I mean, they just looked amazing, and you have a player of the caliber of Ricardo Matthews on that defensive line. We did not bring him up. He played very well, too. He's becoming an unsung hero of that defense, with, uh, especially with Hayward out there. I'm very comfortable with him going forward. So that, that's the kind of guy that is really going to help that team. But here's what I've noticed about this team. You know, Bryce brought up the young guys coming in, and we're bringing a guy like 
Maxi. I mean, he's just coming up playing in his first game. And I've seen him in pictures and in the locker room celebrating afterwards. Guys like Jordan Dangerfield and, uh, and Shabazz coming up and even Ayers coming up. And you see these guys coming in feeling like they are part of the team and knowing that they are part of the team. And so there's a lot more defensive leadership than we absolutely know. And we talked about this about five or six weeks ago, I think after the Cowboys, uh, Cowboys game, when we said somebody has to step up. Somebody has to take these young guys by the hand and uh, make them feel like they could be world beaters too. And that's exactly what happened. I'm not sure exactly in the locker room who it is that's doing it, but there are leaders on this team, and these young guys are being led, being led by example, and it's really paying off right now, fellas. Yeah, I mean – yeah, you you look at one thing I love about the young guys that they bring they're bringing a level of courage and intensity that is really nice to see. They don't look scared out there, which is one of the reasons why I I mean, look, I'm all about in the pros mixing up coverages, disguises, you have to do that. But I'm all about the Steelers playing a lot more man-to-man coverage because I, I I'm I'm confident in Cockrell and Burns that they're going to give your receivers a hard time and you know, take these gimme, you know, when Pittsburgh goes into that two, you know, cover two zone, these people are taking these dink and dunks. It's like, look, let's take that away and make these people be pros and run routes and make catches. But, you know, having said that, I love how they have adjusted. They, they you know, they always want to bring the young guys slowly, but they're putting them in and letting them play, which kind of brings me over to the offense. Man, I mean, what can you say, Ben? You know, Ben does what elite Hall of Fame players do. You know, he was playing inconsistent. He had two bad turnovers. But then in the fourth quarter, he just becomes Hall of Fame, and that's what he is. That's the difference between the Ravens right now and the Steelers is the Ravens overall have a very good team, but there are no superstar players over there, whereas Pittsburgh has superstar players. Um, if you look at Doomerville and Suggs, they were blanked. I mean, the offensive line, you know, gave them the business. And, you know, it's been a minute since Pittsburgh had an offensive line that – that gave the Ravens a business, but we're finally there. I mean, you could talk about Bell, Brown. He's, you know, they're sensational players, probably going to be in Canton one day. But you look at that offensive line, it gave the Ravens the business. When Bell runs for 122 yards, you know, when you see Suggs blanked and Doomerville blanked, Doomerville's been blanked by Gilbert, I want to say, three games in a row. No more reverse pancakes for him. So, you know, I think they've caught up to them, man. And and I think that that is, I think that's kind of part of it. So so you know it's it's going to be tough. And and the, and the offensive line really gets the game ball for me. They they really stepped up and played well. Yeah, I'm looking at the statue right now. Terrell Suggs. I, I'm going up and down. Looking He's playing. No pressures. No sacks. Yeah yeah. Didn't even nothing. register a tackle. Did not even register a tackle. Right. So. I'm, I'm looking at me. It's incredible. Doomerville had one tackle. It's he. Doomerville had the same amount of tackles as Dennis Pitta. Dennis Pitta out-tackled <laughs> right. uh, Terrell Suggs in the game. I mean, think about that. Maybe we're seeing the end of Terrell Suggs' career. I don't know. He is playing hurt. I'll say that. Uh, he, he's playing with a torn biceps tendon. That can't be easy. But at the same time, I think you're right. The, the Pittsburgh Steelers, everyone always talks about how the Ravens build their team to stop the Steelers. Um, this, don't think the Steelers aren't trying to match up and match with, with uh, the Ravens as well. 
And uh, they're doing a pretty darn good job of it. And I think they're doing a better job of it, in fact. And you can tell by their young players. I, I think the young players in the Steelers, and you could be offensive or defense in this aspect, as you saw it in the market errors um, on, on offense, they bring a swagger to the team. I mean, they, they're not just going in there like all off shucks and holy cow, the, the scene's too big. No way. They're going in there saying, I want to make a play. And I think you get that right. from guys like Antonio Brown. You get that from guys like Le'Veon Bell and, and even Ben Roethlisberger. Like, look, if you're going to be in the game, we're not just putting you in there to, to take up space. You're going to go in there and you're going to make a play. And that's why Toby Hamilton, when he gets his number called, he might get one catch, but guess what? It's probably going to be a big third-down conversion. So it's it just it, – you hate to say it over and over again, the standard is a standard, the next man up. But that – the Steelers epitomize those cliches, and it's awesome, and it has become such a part of the organization and the fabric of the Pittsburgh Steelers that it just seems like whoever comes in, it's just – you just roll with the punches, roll with the punches. And although some people always say, well, the next the foot's going to drop and they hope it's not in the playoffs, this team should be getting healthy at the right time. They, they have a meaningless game next week. Uh, it's going to be a fun. Um, I, I do want to ask you this, Bryce. You brought up the offense, and this is kind of getting away from the Ravens game, but I'm curious to see what you think. What would you think about saying, uh, I don't think they should play, Ben. I'll say that right now. I don't think Roethlisberger should see the field next week. There's no need for him to see the field next week. What do you think about playing Mettenberger the entire game to see what you have? Because Landry Jones' contract is up, and you've seen Landry Jones. We've all seen way too much of Landry Jones. Um, would you be uh, cool with, with throwing Mettenberger out there and seeing what he can do? You know what? It's funny. I think from a fan perspective, if you're really into looking at the personnel – I would like like to see that, but Mike Tomlin's going to play and play to win, and he probably feels Landry Jones going to give him the best chance to win that football game. So I don't think we're going to see Mettenberger, um, but I wouldn't mind seeing Mettenberger. Well, one more quick thing, because I think Brian brought this up about the offense. Um, Todd, you know, Todd is a really good offensive coordinator, but I think it might be maybe because of the youth, they're still working in that switching it up and, and adjusting to trust the young guys more. I think that's why they, they don't play as fast as I think they should have. The Steelers still, on, on general, don't play as fast as I think they should. But they, they come out and play at a too slow of a tempo. I mean, with that quarterback, they should be snapping the football 15 seconds and going. And I think if they do that, they would play faster and get up on teams more because he can run the no-hook. But, but when you got these younger receivers – they may be a little bit conservative and not being willing to do that. I think they should because you can see in the fourth quarter when they spread football you, they're, they're just tough because the quarterback is who he is. Yeah, that's a good point. Brian, what do you think about the tempo? you think they should pick it up or you think they should just play it by ear and see what, uh, what the, how the game kind of ebbs and, ebbs and flows? So, you know what, I think, uh, you know, I'm a little torn on this. I, I think a little bit of both. I think uh, being able to adjust on the fly in a smart way um, and uh, is, is very is what they really should do in these situations. I mean, I understand sticking to your game plan and not deviating, but deviate when it's time to deviate. But do this, but have that plan B. Know when you're ready to go. As far as Zach Mettenberger goes, you know, Jeff, you're absolutely right. Bryce, you're absolutely right. I don't think. 
Mike Tomlin's going to do it, but he really should because we've seen we've seen nothing from this guy in preseason, and we really haven't had the opportunity because he was he was picked up so very late. He was picked up right before the last preseason game against Carolina, so you don't get you don't know what you have. You know exactly what you have in Landry Jones. Whether you like it or not, you know what you have. You really don't need to get him ready for anything. Find out what you have in Zach Mettenberger and, uh, and have him ready if he needs to step in. If he shines and he looks really good, then you've got a decision to make at number two. If you have to make that decision, hopefully you don't have to. But, yeah, I mean, you have a guy that is completely unproven and he might be better than what you actually have. It's time to find out in a game against Cleveland, which is your bye week. This is the bye week we were hoping for. And so now it's a chance to try out some guys and let them play on a big stage against professional competition, against your first team competition. I want to see what Dominique Harris can do. Um, DeMarcus Harris, excuse me. I want to see what uh, Kobe Hamilton can do as the number one starter which you're going to see him in this game. I want to see more of Toussaint because if we have to see them, you know, think about this. When did D'Angelo Williams go down last year? He went down in the final game of the season against Cleveland. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, no. We're basically you know, throwing unproven, untested, you know, um, non-game-ready guys out there. So let's get some guys game-ready just in case you have to bring them out. And – Now's the time to do so. This is this is the perfect game. And Ben Roethlisberger has already said it. He said, look, I think guys need to get rest and get healthy, which you know he's talking about himself. Um, he's talking about uh, his offensive line. He's talking about everybody else. So he already came out with that quote. You know, so we know what they need to do. And, you know, really, if you lose this game, no one wants to lose any game. See, I don't want to see them lose preseason games. It, uh, I hate when they lose. However, if they lose this game, it doesn't change a darn thing whatsoever. It's not really going to change your uh, – it should not change the number three seed, I don't believe. And um, it's just not going to change anything. But you could probably – I've seen them win with second-team competition late in, late in the season. I mean, excuse me, in the last game of the year, prime for the playoffs. I know 0-4 – um, 04 was a, a very good example. They brought in, they brought in all these guys to get some significant playing time. And who did they bring in in that final game in 2000, the 2004 season? Willie, Willie Parker. Parker. And Willie Parker went out, and that game got him ready for a blockbuster 2005 and a 75-yard touchdown in a Super Bowl. So that's the game that helps everybody know that, hey, we've got something. So these guys are out to prove what they can do. And you know what? They can prove it on the big stage in this game against Cleveland. And this is just going to make your game stronger and your team stronger. And everything's going to be good. There you have it. Well, Bryce, uh, thank you for the phone call. It's always awesome that you were at such a great game. You got to see him clinch the AFC North. I'm sure Pittsburgh is still humming uh, over that game. It's going to be for a while as they prepare for the playoffs. Hey, have a good New Year. Hopefully we hear from you soon. Yeah, guys, have a good New Year. Take care. Enjoy the rest of your holiday. All right, man. Take it easy. Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with my bookie. 
MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. Good to hear from someone who was actually at the game, Brian. I know that one of our writers for Behind the Steel Curtain, if you follow the website, the film room writer, uh, 50H Steel, he was at the game and he spoke. Uh, we have a little group text that we have between the film room writers, and uh, he said that it was absolutely insane. Uh, talked about double renegade, things like that. Um, it just seemed to be incredible. And if you've been to Heinz Field and if you've been to a close game and you've seen Renegade, you know what it's all about, plain and simple. We have another caller. Let's get this person on the air. So, let's see here. 347-605-7473. We're on with Jeff and Brian. Go ahead. What's up, guys? It's Ken from New Jersey. How you doing? What's up, Ken? Hey, Ken. Yeah, happy holidays, happy holidays, very happy holidays. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I, I, I have my my voice is half gone. Um, I, I hate I hate the Ravens. I hate the Ravens, man, and I hate the Steelers too because they give me. I come, I just can't enjoy a nice, you know, just up by ten. You know, just the closer they get, a seven seven point lead, and you know. And then we just continue. How come we just can't have that? I wasn't ready for three heart attacks yesterday. I just I wasn't prepared for that, and I didn't want to go through that. I was I didn't need that. I didn't need that in my life yesterday. But um, man, I'm so proud to be a Steeler fan. I got a couple. I got a couple. Um, just perspective points that that I came away from, especially 24 hours later. Number one, Le'Veon Bell is clearly to me the best back in the league. Um, there's there's. There's a couple other guys like David Johnson. You know, people throw Zeke in there, Shady McCoy. He did stuff yesterday I haven't seen him do in a while. And he showed explosive, explosiveness. He showed, um, obviously, the agility, the juke, juke ability, dirt, just the toughness, trucking guys. Like, he's, he's the best in the league. Uh, number two, Mike Tomlin really needed this game. I think he – I saw it on his face through the cameras. <laughs> He really, really needed this. He was he, – you can tell, like, some of it was kind of – he was like, man, I need I need this one. And, you know, just listening to the sights and sounds through the, uh, the Steelers app, he was still on the sideline, you know, um, let's say cheerleading, being a cheerleader um, to the guys <laughs> on the sideline and <laughs> throw a little jab in there. Um, the, I, 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 the run defense – I don't know. I want to pose a question to you, you know, to you guys. Do you think it's you think it's an issue to last the first half of the Bengals game and, you know, kind of this game, or is it more our right, Stephon Tewitt is out and with no Tewitt and no Hayward, that's a little bit too much to, to give up. 
And uh, just the, the last thing, I think this team is being tested in different ways every week, preparing them for a Super Bowl championship. They're getting a new test every week. Um, they have to come from behind a couple weeks in a row. But, um, you know, they, they, they had a, a lot of different challenges being, being tested through the pass, through the run, um, through demons of the Ravens just kind of beating them. Like, they're being tested in different ways, and I think they're showing a lot of resolve. Um, new guys are showing resolve, and they're learning how to just get a win. It's very hard to win in this league. So those are kind of my hot take perspective points um, that I wanted to bring um, to this conversation. Well, you, you know, to, to answer your question, uh, in regards to your question about the rush defense, I strongly believe that Stefan Tuitt is that good and is that type of player that when he's not in the lineup, look who you're leaning on. They move to it around a lot, and when Cam Hayward out, he's not just always on the left side. They move him to the right, they move him to the left. It depends on who they're subbing in. Um, he is a force. The, the, the opposing offense, when Stephon Tewitt's in the lineup, they're typically going to run away from him. And so when you when you have him on the field and you see the offense doing that and they're always going away from Tewitt, well, that makes playing defense a little bit easier because then all you have to do is kind of flow to the other side. And you don't run it to him, but he's a very good – run-stopping defensive end for the Steelers. Um, that's what I personally think. Now, there might be others that, that watch different areas of the game or the minutia of the defensive line that might disagree. But I just think when you lose to it, you're stuck with a very good rookie in Javon Hargrave, but still a rookie. Um, you have Daniel McCullers, who's a giant of a man, but is also as slow as molasses. Um, you have Ricardo Matthews, who is a huge upgrade from Cam Thomas. Then again, who isn't, but still – he also is a backup for a reason. Then you have, you know, the guy, uh, Moxie, whatever his name is, uh, sounds like the quarterback from Varsity Blues, Jonathan Moxon, but um, he is a Division Two player, I think, that was undrafted. You don't have anybody. So, in other words, when you have two in there, you can have Ricardo Matthews out there. If he needs a break, you can bring in L.T. Walton um, and all these guys. It, it makes it manageable. Without him, tough. I was actually really impressed with the way that they played as a defensive front against the Ravens. I knew they were going to give up some rushing yards, but at the same time, um, I was impressed by, it wasn't the defensive line, in my opinion, that was making the mistakes. Now, if you look at the numbers, Dixon had 12 carries for 57 yards, Terrence West 10 for 27. Uh, Then they had, like, Campanero with a reverse for 23, Juszczyk 2 for 15. They ended up with 122 rushing yards. And that looks bad, but I think that's pretty good. Think about all the missed tackles that they had. It was just atrocious. With the back half, they didn't tackle well. Uh, Shazier had a chance to blow up a couple plays and missed tackles. The tackling needs to improve. But in my opinion, that's an issue of not having to. Brian, do you agree with me that it's not having to, or do you think there's something else going on that the Steelers might need to be concerned with? No, I'm just going to break up my ditto on this one because, you know, you are absolutely correct. However, I would like to say one thing. We just got a call from Molasses. They were very upset. You just insulted them because they actually think that they would like to challenge <laughs> Daniel McCullers to a race and probably win. Um, but as, as far as everything goes, I think the Baltimore Ravens have a very fine running game. I think Yuschek, I I would take this guy in black and gold right now. The kid out of Harvard, I mean, he seems like a Steeler player. It's just a shame that he plays for the Ravens. He reminds me of Kreider even better. This guy 
even when he when he has the ball, when he's carrying the ball, he's a force. And that touchdown that he had was really impressive at the end. I mean, how he just kept on going and did not give up. And Kenneth Dixon, I mean, here's another young running back that uh, I, I believe Bryce uh, – was it Bryce that uh, touched on it? Just, just for the fact that this guy is going to be a star in the future too. So this is a good running team, but Stephon Tewitt is every bit as good as Cam Hayward. And when those two – I mean, those two are cornerstones. Those two should both be – considered for Pro Bowl nods because I think they're both that good. Of course, Cam's not going to get it this year, of course, because he's, he's injured and gone for the year. But those two are mainstays on that defense. And when you lose them and you're playing against guys like Jeremy Hill, who Jeremy Hill's a good runner. Um, Dixon, good runner. Grappy runner. I mean, so these guys, I mean, it wasn't, you're right, Jeff, it wasn't as bad as it seemed, but I'm not quite concerned because I thought the defense kept things together very well against, and I'm going to keep saying, a very good Baltimore Raven team that is a lot better than an 8-7 and seven record. And I can see why that their fan base is completely up in arms right now. Um, you know, just like we get uh, hashtag Fire Tomlin, we, they're getting hashtag Fire Harbaugh here. They are completely sick of him, too. And the guy is uh, a coach that does nothing but win for them, and I can't stand the guy. I'd also like to hand out a game ball. Um, you know, Ken touched on it a little bit. I want to hand out a game ball to Terry Bradshaw because I'm telling you what, he fired up that team with those comments. Um, the, those cheerleader comments, they are pissed. The team, I'm not talking about fan base. I'm talking about the team. They are so angry about it right now. And they are sticking up. It's solidarity for their coach. And in the middle of the season, we were starting to see, you know, I was looking at a mutiny at one point where there was a lot of finger pointing, talking about discipline. You were thinking, you were feeling that it was going against the coaches. Um, just even comments from Roethlisberger about practices being tough. All these, uh, all these different things. Now it seems like they are completely backing their coach, and this is the perfect time to do it. I mean, Vinny Williams came out with his, uh, his tweet saying, hey, not bad for a cheerleader. That's all you need to know. They are backing their coach. This is a unified team. So as idiotic comments from Terry Bradshaw were, and you can see him starting to backtrack towards the end of the interview, as stupid as they were, I'm thankful that he made them because that win just completely took the monkey off Mike Tomlin's back, made him look so much better, but it unified this team. And that is just paramount. (laughs) This is becoming a perfect storm. So we need to keep it going. Yeah. What else you got for us, Ken? Anything? Yeah. I, I got a question kind of off topic, but you know, there's a lot of, as far as talking about elite quarterbacks, and, you know, Ben is pretty much slighted, you know, when, when generally. Um, a, a lot of people talk about Eli and just, you know, they get on Eli a lot. Phillip Rivers, man, gets – he just walks scot-free. No one talks about <laughs> Phillip Rivers. This dude is a perennial 8-8, eight and 7-9, eight, and nine, blows fourth-quarter leads and – he does not make the playoffs, and and no one. Talk, I was just thinking, watching this game, um, 
I'm like, all right, great. The Browns, I'm like, but Phillip Rivers is supposed to be spoken about in the same light as Ben. He is. Oh, he's going to the Hall of Fame and this and that. But why Why doesn't, why is no one talking about this guy? So I just, you know, I just, it just kind of occurred to me in the only team to lose to the Browns. And once again, they're going to miss the playoffs. They're last in the division again. And this guy just walks scot-free. Nothing, no kind of. I don't know. It's just weird. Like, he doesn't get the national um, attention for a bad game or just for blowing, you know, blowing a lead or anything like that, like Ben or Eli would. But he's spoken about on the positive yeah. side as, at the same level. So that's it. I just, you know, kind of, kind of found that interesting. Um, but, yeah, happy holidays, happy new year, guys. And um, let's let's see what Landry has. I'd like to see Mettenberger, <laughs> but I, I think we need to – we need to see Landry go and take care of the game, win the game. We need we need that to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for the phone call, Ken. We appreciate it. Have a happy new year, and we'll sure we'll talk to you next week. Um, so, you know, he brings up a good point about Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers, it's funny because, you know, everyone, I really didn't want to talk about the Terry Bradshaw comments tonight. I feel like that's kind of like a, a shadow over the, the win. Um, it's something that really isn't necessary to talk about because Mike Tomlin shut him shut every everything down and he shut Terry Bradshaw up by winning that game in the way that they did it and all the reasons that we talked about. But um with Philip Rivers, uh and this kinda all ties together. Uh, everyone that criticizes Mike Tomlin says, Well it's because Ben Roethlisberger, because Tomlin has Ben Roethlisberger and Cowher drafted Roethlisberger. People forget that Cowher did not want Ben Roethlisberger. Cowell was in love with Phillip Rivers. He wanted Phillip Rivers. That was the guy that he was hoping fell to Pittsburgh at number 11, and it didn't happen, obviously. Uh, there was the whole, you know, he was drafted by the Giants, and the Giants and the, Char- and the Chargers switched. Um, Phillip Rivers is still a good quarterback, in my opinion, but I just think that he, when he has weapons around him, think of back when Antonio Gates was in his prime um, and when LT was there, uh, they they had a really good team. They had some really good runs. I think they made it to the AFC Championship game one year. Uh, they've never made it back, and he just has nothing around them. And that whole situation, that whole organization is, is in flux right now. They're not really worried about winning football games. They're worried about a new stadium. They're more worried about trying to get money from San Diego to help build a new stadium so they can attract more Super Bowls, and then they're threatening to leave and possibly go somewhere like Las Vegas or to L.A. or um, somewhere, I, I don't even know where else they're even talking about moving, but there's a lot of talk there. <laughs> That's a distraction. That's a huge distraction. What do you think about Philip Rivers? I, I agree with Ken that he doesn't get the blame, but I think it's because he's not on a very competitive team. What are your thoughts, Brian? You know, I think uh, he's inconsequential a lot of the time um, because of a lot of the reasons that you said. But here's the thing. Every couple of years, he peppers in a playoff season. He, uh, where they uh, remember the, uh, the right, I call it the right suck-up game from, uh, from three years ago that, uh, where the Chargers made it into the playoffs um, because the, uh, the rookie kicker for uh, Kansas City, who was actually a Pittsburgh native, just completely blew it and kept Pittsburgh out of the playoffs. Um, they were they were in the playoffs then, and so every couple of years they get in there and they make a run and they become dangerous, and then then they fall off and have a, a three win season like they did last year. 
and then just another abomination this year. Um, I think back to 1995 where you had the Cleveland Browns, who were a playoff team that lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers in the divisional round with Bill Belichick as the head coach and took them to the playoffs. They had a fantastic year. They even had Nick Saban as the defensive coordinator in that team. That was a very well-coached team, a very good team. Then the next year comes around. Um, they did lose Saban because Saban went to Michigan State, but Belichick was uh, starting to really find himself at that time, and they, they had all the pieces to be a good team. Then all the talk came about moving, and they announced midseason that they were moving. Um, that they were going to Baltimore, and that all was happening. And that completely derailed that team. And that uh, they're thinking about other things in San Diego right now. Um, they're not. They're trying to. They're trying to field a team, but they're trying to save San Diego, and and they're they're not having much luck at all. I do not expect them to stay there. And I got to tell you, one of my favorite cities in the United States of America is San Diego, California. Um, that if I had to move to California, that is the city that I would want to move to. I think it's great. And that, that city needs a football team and should keep a football team. But uh, they're, they're being seduced by the Rams are actually trying to get them to move to um, California now, too. And you have all this talk about all these other places, uh, like you said, Las Vegas, who knows, I mean, who knows where else they could go? I mean, St. Louis might be asking for a team again, and heck, Altoona might ask for a team. You you don't know. But uh, these distractions are a mess for a guy like Philip Rivers, and um, he's just trying to keep the team together and uh, and keep a job there in San Diego right now. Um, but that organization, one of the reasons why they have Philip Rivers is the fact that uh, that organization can be apathetic sometimes. And, you know, they uh, – Eli Manning pulled that fast one on them at the very end and said, don't draft me, I'm not coming. And that's why they made the trade. And it's very interesting, when they made that trade, they could have had Ben Roethlisberger too, and they didn't want Ben Roethlisberger because I think this has always been my theory that they reminded – he reminded them a little too much of Ryan Leaf, and they had just come off of that disaster – so they went with the proven four-year college player in Philip Rivers, and they made a big mistake there too. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, it is interesting how the tips fell in that 2004 NFL draft, and Steelers fans aren't going to complain. They, they certainly have a good one, a great one, I should say. But you know what, Brian, it's at the end of the show, we always give ourselves a chance to kind of, we call it the, the, the last call, final call, whatever you want to call it, um, your chance to get on your soapbox and say something special to steal a nation. Now's your chance, Brian. Go ahead. Statement win. That was a win for the millennium for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I know we've had all these important games in the 84 years of this franchise, but this is going to prove to be one of the most important games. Because here's the deal. You lose that game. You're not. You're not going to the wild card because of the Miami Dolphins. Because before that game, the Dolphins had already eliminated Baltimore from the uh, the wild card consideration. So that game, uh, that game was crucial for both teams. So as far as everything goes, that that game was crucial to this franchise. It completely changes a lot of things for this franchise. Instead of going home, they are going to be one of twelve teams soldiering on 
and marching towards the Lombardi Trophy and Houston. And Mike Tomlin is already saying in press conferences, saying Houston. They're talking about going to Houston, the goal being Houston, and that's what this team had. But I said it at the beginning, I'm going to say it again, Baltimore has owned Pittsburgh in recent history. I'm not just talking about four straight. I'm talking the last four or five years. The majority has gone to Baltimore. They just seem to have had this team's number. It was very important to go out and beat your chief rival and send them home and send a statement to the entire National Football League and the football universe to say, we belong here definitively. We are one of the best teams in the national. We had a hiccup of four games in the middle of the season. You take that hiccup away, and you have a fantastic season. So Vito was talking about being among the teams like Oakland and Dallas and New England. Well, here's the thing. They are among those teams. They had an injury to Ben Roethlisberger in that four-game stretch. They had some bad luck in that stretch. They had some growing up to do in that stretch. That four-game hiccup is one of the best things to happen to that team this season because that four-game hiccup is going to make them champions as far as I'm concerned. This team has grown up so much. They've matured so much. They have gelled so much. And as much as we don't want to talk about Terry Bradshaw, I love those comments just for the fact that they're rallying around this guy. They love their coach, and that is going. That needs to show. We need to see that. We need to see a cohesive, unified unit, and we are seeing it now, Jeff. I am so excited for January and possibly February because this team has the look of a champion. I told you this on week one. I have a special feeling about this team. And I let that special feeling wane a little bit during that four-game hiccup, but that special feeling is back. And I'm telling you, this team has the markings of greatness. It's like that, like that lightning bolt star on Harry Potter's head. They are marked. This is the team that lived, Jeff. This is the team that lived through that four-game hiccup telling you they could be champions, God willing and team willing. I'm telling you this right now, that if this team plays the way they know how to play, they get a little bit of luck, but they stick to their plan and stick to their band of brothers, as Ben Roethlisberger likes to call it, then we are in for a whale of a six- to seven-week period, Jeff. Absolutely. That's some good stuff. And for my final call, or last call, I I want to understand quickly that a lot of Steeler fans – we're very hesitant this season. And what I mean by that is that a lot of Steelers fans, after that four-game stretch, were real hesitant to get back on board, um, to really buy back in, because the last thing you want to do is to go all in and just be let down again. And I've always been very optimistic, Brian. You've always been very optimistic about the Steelers. But I think even the most optimistic, positive um, person in the world would have a little bit of doubt creeping at that time. And I've had several people say, I, they complain about this on social media or in person, I say, what's it going to take for you to get back on board? And to a person, they basically just said they have to win out. Well, guess what, folks? They won out. They won out, and it's time to get back on board. 
It's time to get back on the train. It's time to get back and really support this team down the stretch. They're going to have a home game in the AFC wild card. But here's the thing, and I say this all the time on multiple platforms, the Steelers in the football season in general is just so short. You know, you compare it to hockey or baseball or even basketball, you're talking 82, 162 games. There's 16 guaranteed games. And I always tell fans, enjoy every one of them because it's going to be gone. It's the longest offseason. And I know the draft is fun and, and the, the speculation and all that stuff and free agency, but ultimately you won a championship. And the Pittsburgh Steelers have done their job. I know it wasn't ideal. It's not the first or second round seed or first or second seed. It's not home field advantage. But what it is is they've secured a playoff spot, a high playoff spot. They're on the three-seed team. That's not bad. And here we go, week 17, they have a meaningless game. They can rest some of their starters. I like their chances. I like their chances. And there's going to be an interesting article coming up on the site tomorrow that I wrote about how if things fall correctly and if injuries remain the way that they are, the Steelers' path to the AFC Championship game could be riddled with nothing but backup quarterbacks. It just seems like karma just might be going towards the Steelers' favor as they, they go to win, hopefully, their seventh Super Bowl and Super Bowl 51. So everyone that called in, thank you for the time. I hope everyone had a very Merry Christmas and a Happy Holidays, and I hope that everyone out there is, a, is very safe on New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, and has a very prosperous New Year. Um, for Brian, I'm Jeff. Make sure you check out BehindTheSteelCurtain.com every day for all your Pittsburgh Steelers needs. We'll see you next time. Bye. Hello, I'm Ashley Carmen. I'm Caitlin Tiffany. We're the hosts of Why'd You Push That Button, the Verge's show about all the choices technology forces us to make. We're back for season three, talking about questions like, why do you delete your tweets? And why do you type in lowercase letters that make you seem like a serial killer? And why are you on an exclusive dating app? You're not that special. <laughs> We're releasing a new episode every Wednesday, and you can find us anywhere you typically find podcasts, which is Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts. So go ahead and subscribe and check us out.